What's going on, friends and fam? Thank you so much for joining Every Day is a Saturday with your host, me, myself, and I, Brian Roof. Hey, guys, another great day, another great interview. I'm excited for my next guest. My next guest is a nurse of 25 years and is currently in the U.S. Navy Reserve Nurse Corps. She earned her bachelor's degree from DeSales University and a master's from Drexel University. Her nursing experience includes adult and pediatric critical care, home care, and nursing education and instruction. She has an ICU nurse on the front lines. Oh, sorry. She was an ICU nurse on the front lines during the COVID pandemic. Her past 10 years in the Navy include a deployment in, to Kandahar, Afghanistan in 2015. She keeps herself busy and advocates for homeless female veterans. Let's meet Lieutenant Commander Kristen Leone. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining, Kristen. I am glad to have you on, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know everybody's busy, especially you. You got yourself a busy, sounds like a busy <laughs> schedule. I, I, you know, I after reading a little bit about you and stuff, you are a busy person. So let's get yeah. to know a little bit about you and tell us all about you and what you got going on. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, for having me on the show and uh, telling my story. Uh, you know, it's just kind of interesting because I've always had a, a loud voice and a big mouth. And growing up, my mom used to yell at me all the time, like you're such a, you're, so, you're so loud, like lower your voice, learn to cultivate your voice. And I always used to be so self conscious of my voice. And it took me until well into my adulthood. I think it's only been about the past five years where I was like, hey, I could use my voice for other things. And you know. So I've really gotten active uh, the last few years in public speaking and advocacy, uh, particularly in the veteran community. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, I'm still in the reserves, uh, 12 years now. Uh, I actually lost track of a couple years somehow. I'm not really sure how that, <laughs> how that happened. I think COVID kind of <laughs> stunted my memory a little bit. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but it's one of the things that I've noticed is that the, there are resources out there for veterans, but the states do a terrible job of advertising what's available out there. And one of the problems that's actually sweeping across the country is the rise of homeless female veterans. And why this presents such a significant problem is because 70% of them are single moms. So they're bringing their kids with them. And there's not a lot of resources for homeless veterans, period, let alone women veterans with children. And not that children are a problem. It just creates additional logistical things that need to be addressed. Like, okay, we find you a place. What are the schools like? How do we get you to school? And how do we get them to a doctor to make sure they've had a physical and immunizations are up to date so they can go to said school. So it just brings extra stuff with it. So there's not a lot of... <clears throat> those types of resources uh, around. So it's one of the things that kind of became my passion during the pandemic because I was actually became aware of the problem. And one of the things that shocked me the most is civilian side isn't talking about it. And I'm a woman in the military and we're not talking about this problem. So I kind of felt um, a little embarrassed being a woman in the service and not realizing the gravity of the problem. So that's kind of how I got involved in the veteran advocacy arena. Uh, so I just moved to Florida about, uh, about coming up on a year and a half ago now. So April of 22, uh, I moved down here with my significant other from New Jersey, Southern New Jersey. And I had spent the last couple years 
really building my footing in the advocacy arena in New Jersey. And now I'm down here in Florida. So I'm having to refine my footing. Um, one of the things that I noticed is that Florida has a fair amount of resources for veterans, particularly given the size of the state. Um, but in, and again, in terms of how are we getting that word out, there's a little bit of work to be done. Uh, I actually just attended, let's see, this is September now. I think it was July. They had a, um, a women's veterans um, fair event right here in Clearwater. Uh, and I don't need anything particularly right now, but I went just to see what kinds of things are they offering to women veterans and what contacts can I make so that if I meet someone who needs something, I have those resources too and can put them in touch uh, with people. Uh, I've also connected with some <clears throat> Facebook groups here in Florida. Uh, there's a lot of groups. Um, Club Club 214 Land and Sea is a group of uh, veterans here in like the Pinellas County area. There's Central Florida Veterans Forum. So there's a lot of social media out there in terms of connecting people, which is really important is I think is that connection. Uh, and then I've also um, met uh, you know, online, uh, some veteran organizations that are doing things to help veterans. So those kinds of things are important in terms of getting people connected to the right resources. Because uh, I, in this day and age of social media, there should not be a shortage of getting access to uh, resources. Um, and why does that help me? Because uh, as you mentioned, I've been a nurse for 25 years and the pandemic kind of broke a lot of us. Um, and I'll admit that I'm one of those people that's kind of struggling uh, post pandemic. And so being a nurse in terms of refreshing me and making me feel like I'm doing and helping post pandemic has been a struggle. So this term, this kind of thing, and being involved in the in veteran advocacy and helping people get connected to resources and just helping people make connections to other people so that they're not alone, I find is really important and helps me helps me more. Um, and that's a struggle for me because uh, I've been wanted to be a nurse from the time that I was 12 years old. It's I knew it's what I wanted to do. It was what I was born to do, meant to do, never wanted to be anything else. And post pandemic, I'm finding myself struggling a little bit with what is my purpose? Why am I doing this? And nobody's talking about it except myself and a couple of other friends who have learned to be vocal and ask for help and say, hey, this sucks, we're not okay. Um, so, and the other side of that is nurses are trained to take care of other people, but we're not trained to take care of ourselves. So it's been you know, a process the last few years to really kind of take a step back and say, okay, how do I take care of myself? Because I'm great at taking care of other people, but I'm terrible at taking care of myself. And in that is we're terrible at saying, hey, I need help. Um, and as veterans, we have- what are, what are some of the contributing factors that may have led to like, you know, what you guys, the long <laughs> extended hours, see the some of the things you guys seen, I mean, all the above type of stuff, or I mean- uh, It was a combination. Um, because I feel as though it was, if you've ever watched um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, you know, like just then, like it hit, like that's kind of how um, the pandemic felt. Like we were kind of talking about it and we had some patients that had like weird symptoms, like 
flu positive, weren't doing well. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, it's COVID, lockdown, everybody like shut down, lockdown, like whoop, whoop, death time five. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And so I think that nursing was already short staffed to begin with. So we went into the pandemic kind of short already off the bat. Sure. And the pandemic kind of really just broke a lot of people in terms of mental health, um, feeling supported. Um, social media has just kind of ruined um, social grace, in my opinion. Um, anybody with a keyboard can go and attack somebody else. Um, the you know, and the hospitals were locked down; like nobody could come in unless you were working in the hospital, and that was for everyone's safety. And there was a period of time where everyone was okay with that because everyone was terrified. But then people hit a point where like their loved ones were sick or dying and they couldn't come into the hospital. They couldn't see them. Everyone was separated and the public just kind of, I think was, and not that it wasn't their fault because everyone was locked down. And I think that was terrible for the overall mental well-being of the, of the world, quite frankly, just being locked down was not good. So I think people were starting to lose their minds. And so I think that was short staffing, uh, lack of patience, understanding and social grace and just general wanting to take care of our fellow human beings. Um, and people were be being nasty to us. So for about five minutes, we were heroes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then all hell broke loose. And it was like, forget it. We hate you. You're mean. You suck. You won't let us into your hospital. We can't come in and see our loved ones. It was. No. Um, they didn't want to wear the, all the stuff when they came in. It's like for your protection. It's not just for it, it, it just, and then we were short on PPE, which was the other thing is, well, we need to make sure that we're cared for so that we can take care of all these people that are sick and dying. Like uh, we can't be wasting, you know, gowns and masks and goggles and things just for people to come visit. We were reusing our masks, like our N95 masks that are supposed to be one-time use. Mm -hmm. We were reusing them at the end of a shift. We have, so during our ship, we kept them in a brown paper bag. Like I can't even look at brown paper bags anymore because it makes me like twitch. And, <laughs> um, so, and then at the end of the ship, we would turn it into a bucket and then somebody would come and take it down to the central processing and they would put it like in the autoclave and sterilize it. And then we would, it would be like sterile. So then we would reuse it the next time we came back in. So we would reuse it three times and then we would toss it. This thing that's supposed to be one time use, we were cleaning and then reusing. So I think that frustrated a lot of us. We were worried about, we weren't feeling cared for. The Joint Commission who accredits a lot of the hospitals was like, oh, it's fine. You're fine. Just use a trash bag and a, and a sock to cover your mouth. Like, are you serious right now? You won't let us drink water at the nurse's station, but you want us to wear a sock over our mouth. And you think that's going to protect us from these droplets that are like killing everybody that gets this disease. So that was part of the problem. Uh, a lot of people felt unsupported by upper level management. And I think just the overall stress of watching people suffer and die day in and day out was a lot. Um, there were a lot of us who were stacking bodies in the morgue or stacking bodies in refrigerated trailers. And a lot of us were, you know, yet we're nurses and we knew this virus could get, could get us. We lost several, you know, doctors, nurses, um, health, other healthcare providers who got it and um, didn't survive. And um, so we were watching colleagues die from the disease. And we still would go into patient, a lot of us would still go into patient rooms and hold their hands as they died so that they weren't 
alone. I mean, for me, like that's one of the things, like, I don't, I don't want anyone to die alone. Like, even though it meant risking myself, you know, I, and I would, I took my gloves off. Like when I went in there and I would hold their hand, I'm like, I, you just, so a person shouldn't die feeling like a plastic glove. Like it's bad enough. You're in a hospital. Like you need to feel like that there's a human right there next to you and you're not alone. Like that to me was, and we had to do it over, you know, over and over. And mm. our skin was breaking out from the masks and we were like, sometimes like your patients would come in kind of sick and then they would crash and you would be in that room for a while and you're wearing a plastic gown and you come out like, and you could see like all like the perspiration, like under the gown, like it's cause it's stuck to your skin. And um, so it was, and then you're just like sweating from being like in a room and, one of the things that we did to reduce the level of PPE that we were using was we put all the IV pump, at least in the intensive care unit, we put the IV pumps outside the rooms. So we wouldn't have to put all our stuff on to go in a room and change a bag of sedation or hang an antibiotic or change fluid. So it was to save time. And the same thing with the ventilators, like the actual machine that was blowing air into the patient would be in the patient room, but the screens to those ventilators come off and the screens is what we look at to monitor like their breathing and change the settings in terms of pressure and oxygen. So the screens were outside the rooms and the pumps were outside the rooms. And then they have what they call slave monitors um, that show all the patient's heart rates at multiple areas throughout the, the, the unit. So you had multiple, all the IV pumps are outside a 43 bed ICU. So now you have all the pumps, the slave units, and the ventilators, and they all alarm for different things, right? So now the alarm, you've got all these alarms going up, and you can hear them going off all the time. And Gosh. then when you were in the patient room, at least at the hospital where I worked, they had large HEPA filters in each room to kind of try to filter some of the air in the room in an attempt to reduce you know, COVID particles floating around the room there. Um, so that was noisy. And then they gave, they didn't want us bringing any of our own stuff in the room. So we had these, they call them um, like they're disposable stethoscopes. If you have were around as a kid and you remember you had that Fisher Price medical kit. I mean, that's essentially what the stethoscope was like. And I'm trying to hear, they expected us to do a quality assessment with a, but essentially a toy stethoscope and then report to the doctors like, yeah, here's how their lung sounds, here's how their heart sounds. Like it, it just wasn't working. Um, so I would say probably about six months in, I kind of gave up and said, forget it. Like I can't hear anything. And I started putting the end of my stethoscope in a glove and I would then put it on my patient to at least have some semblance. I'm like, okay, at least I'm listening. I can hear something better than what I was using with that stupid disposable stethoscope, which was doing nobody any good. Um, so it was just a really stressful time. And there's just a lot of things that happened that nobody's talking about. Um, and I actually just, um, read a study a couple months ago that the white house is supposedly releasing funds to get more mental health support for nurses because the suicide rate since the pandemic amongst nurses has increased dramatically. It sounds like you could damn near have PTSD just from the, the alarms and the sounds of the machines sitting yeah. there hearing those all day. I mean, cause that sounds and beeps and stuff already get to me. I couldn't imagine just constantly beep, beep, like, and this one's doing that alarm and my goodness. Yeah, it, 
it's overwhelming. It's different when all the pumps are in the rooms and you can kind right. of hear the distance. It's a whole nother level when they're sure. all outside the room and they're all going off and you're like, oh my God. And the ventilator is going off. And then the phones are ringing off the hook because family members are frantically yes, trying to get a hold right. of us to say, how's my loved one? And meanwhile, we have to, the poor unit secretary was taking notes, like taking memos for all of us because once we're in a room, we can't come out and like if we were bundling care. So for me, I was a neonatal ICU nurse for like a hot second. Like I dabbled in neonatal ICU and they're so fragile. You cluster your care, you go in, do your assessment, give meds, whatever you have to do. And then you don't touch them for hours because they need that amount of time to recover. And it's a very similar concept during COVID. We bundled our care because you go in and go out. Like you don't, once you're out, like you're out. And so you have to absolutely have to go back in the room to do something for the patient. So it was, it was hard for us because now I worked in the ICU. The patients were sedated and, and out. Uh, one time I got floated to the floor and the patients were awake and like on the call bell. And, you know, I felt really bad. I was in the room with a patient for a while and I had to get out of the room. Like I just couldn't breathe like that. We wearing two masks and yeah. all this stuff is very, it get, uh, that, that's a whole nother out. feeling too it's a whole, thing. It's a whole, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother thing that could create a pt i mean like yeah ptsd and she as soon as i walked out had all my stuff off took you know washed my hands and i'm like okay i can breathe she was on the call balance like can i get some ice cream and i'm like yeah like in a few a couple hours when i need to go back in there i can bring you in. and i felt bad like i <laughs> she just wanted some ice cream and I, i'm not putting all my stuff on and going back in there just to give you ice cream like if you, can you catch i'll throw it from the door <laughs> it's just and and i so i was deployed to afghanistan in 2015 came home with ptsd and was relatively okay with it um and then the pandemic happened and that just kind of brought it all back. Oh, and the oh my thing gosh, that yeah. I find, what I find upsetting is that like, I'm in the service. My PTSD is service connected. Like, and at some point I will get compensated for that. But for those of us who work during the pandemic, they're going to get nothing. And that I think to me is a tragedy. I think it's just, and I don't know that money's even going to do it. I just need, I think nurses as a community who works on the front lines of the pandemic really need to feel supported. And I think that's one of the things that my girlfriend and I talk about frequently is that there's a lot of PTSD from working during the pandemic. And I know that I am a very small, small subset, but I was not only working in the ICU during the pandemic, but during this time, like we were still in the pandemic in August of 21 when Afghanistan fell. And I didn't even know how to feel after that. Like that was a rough time. Like my hus now husband, like I was a month of just a hot mess. Mm. And he was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, honestly, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I'm completely terrified and confused and angry at the same time. And so that same month that uh, Afghanistan fell, um, one of the things that happened from the, as a result of the pandemic is people didn't leave their houses, right? So they weren't going to their follow-up appointments or routine appointments. And we had a rash of patients that came in with like terminal cancer that they had had and had just found because they finally decided to go back to the doctor after a year or whatever. And it was just, it was awful. It was really bad. 
Uh, and I had the month of August of 21, every shift I came in, I lost a patient, either the cancer or COVID. So mm. three shifts a week times four weeks is 12 patients in an entire month. And so that had me kind of spinning out and we weren't even like through the pandemic. And so we we're kind of a hot mess, like dealing with that shit. And then Afghanistan fell and I was like, I'm really not even sure what my purpose is mm. at this point because I'm really kind of confused. And I, at the time, lived in New Jersey and drilled out of Fort Dix, New Jersey, which was one of the spots where they brought refugees after the fall of Afghanistan. So my friend and I, who was in my, is in my, was in my unit, um, we were deployed together and we're coming on base and all these Afghan refugees are just kind of running around. And it's just like, and he, I looked at him yeah. after like a month, like I think the second or third month. And I said, this is not okay. Right. Like this is jacking <laughs> up your head. And he was like, yeah, this is kind of like, like a mind fuck. Like what right. is going on? Hell yeah. So it was just <clears throat> for me personally, again, this is just my story, but it was like a one, two, three punch. And I kind of got into an argument with some family months ago. I'm like, if you think for one second, I was working on the front lines of the pandemic I lost a bunch of patients and Afghanistan fell. And then I had to drill with all those Afghanis running around me. If you think for one second that I was okay with any of that and just flew through with flying colors, like you're dead wrong. Like it's just, there's a lot of things that happen that nobody's talking about. So um, one of the things that I do uh, is, and I have to follow my own advice, right? Is tell my story and not be afraid to tell the truth about there were some things that happened and, we struggle with and we're not okay. And the only way to help others is to tell the story. Um, so I'm looking forward to having my girlfriend on my podcast coming up soon because, you know, when you hear two nurses who have been through the shit, it's just, it's just different. And you're like, right. Oh, okay. I'm not, the, I'm not crazy. This sucked. This was stupid. And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, it's like you guys were in body. combat. It's like you guys were in combat together. <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? Essentially. It was, it, I said to somebody, it, it, essentially what we did during COVID was we ran a two-year mass casualty event. That's, I mean, hands yeah, down, right. you can't even, like, deny it. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's that's the same thing it is with us when it goes to uh, people we've deployed with. You know, we look at them and and we just relate so much more. And, and when you tell the stories and have someone to kind of bounce it off of you and it's like oh yeah my gosh you're feeling the same way yeah all right you know <laughs> it kind of brings you back to your senses yeah because exactly. you, you kind of remove normal. yourself from all that at one point and and then you go back dust settles and then you kind of at that same point in time when you guys all go back in and you're like wow you know every, you gotta admit like every a lot of things changed since covid i mean still to this day and uh -huh. and they're talking about it coming back again and and that you know here's another variant you know no um just no it's all i gotta say <laughs> <laughs> like there, yeah yeah well, i because i'm still in the reserves and uh, sure. so i do one week in a month and two weeks a year and just uh in the beginning of august i did my two weeks up at camp lejeune naval hospital uh, i like camp lejeune it's very pretty up there uh, i've been at this is my second time up there and i really like it um the naval hospital um, when I, so I said, Hey guys, I know that this isn't going to help you any, but there's no difference between military nursing and civilian nursing. We're all understaffed. So you're not, <laughs> the grass isn't greener on the other side. Just know that. 
but I had a patient on isolation for like a suspected infection in her stool. And we had to, you have to wear a gown when you go in the room. And um, it was, I pulled out the gowns and it was the same white, like papery, plasticky ones that we used during COVID. And I actually had like a very real physical reaction to putting on this gown. Like I was getting a little sweaty. My heart was racing. Mm. I was having trouble breathing. I was like, it's okay. It's not COVID. It's just, you know, you're fine. It's okay. But I had a very real reaction. And a couple of the other nurses were talking about the very thing that you just mentioned that it's on the rise. We've got this patient. He's already got TB. Maybe we should test him for COVID. And the three of us were like, so one girl was like, I'm not doing this again. And I was like, mm, no, yeah. and she's like, no, we're just, and the one girl's like, I will quit nursing. I will go sell shit online. I don't know what I'm going to do, she's like, but I'm not doing this frontline <laughs> pandemic bullshit again. Just not doing it. Do you um, feel that that's a, like a pretty, I mean, pretty common thing amongst everybody? Cause I, I imagine that it's a taxing thing to go through and, and to go through that whole iteration uh, again, it would be an absolute nightmare. I mean, I, and, and... I don't, I don't know what the general public is feeling uh, that, excuse me, the healthcare. I know a lot of nurses who are saying, no, they're, they're, we'll, we'll walk. We're not doing this. We're not doing this, you know, reusing masks and reusing gowns and the, the, the noise and the drama and the shit. Like, no, we're not doing it again. I think that's coming more from healthcare because we knew what it was like being in, you know, basically being in combat and, right. We're, like, we're not just not doing that shit again. Yeah. Um, one of the things that happened too is there was a lot of infighting in the healthcare community when the vaccine came out. That caused a lot of controversy in the healthcare community. And there were some who were like, nope, not enough science behind it. I don't want to do it. But administration was like, yeah, but your job depends on it. And so I was, I was in New Jersey at the time who was mandating the vaccine for healthcare workers. And I'm in the military. I'm like, so I, either way, I had to take it. I was like, listen, I've deployed. I've gotten anthrax and Japanese encephalitis and like whatever the like one more isn't going to bother me. I'm not having babies. It was like, oh, it's going to ruin your fertility. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> there was a period of time where I was trying to be very patient and kindly and gently explain to them what mRNA was and one vaccine over the other, et cetera. And then I was just full on fighting with people because I was sick of everybody's shit by that point. And then I just stopped talking. So there was a lot of infighting amongst nurses because they didn't want to, they didn't want to get the vaccine, which I respected, but then it's like, where am I going to work? Well, that's not how it works. Like either you take the vaccine and you work or you leave nursing and go do something else or move somewhere where they're not going to require it. Um, so, you know, I got my two vaccines. I got my booster dose. I had a horrible reaction to the third, the third Moderna dose. I wound up mm. in the ER cause I had horrible, horrible joint pain. Oh shit. Um, and I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing no. the vaccine shit again. Yeah, I'm gosh, not doing anything. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think, I, I think there's a lot of people on that boat that, you know, I've, I've heard in the, especially, you know, the essential workers, everybody that's had to go get shots multiple shots because i mean and, and there's a lot of people out there that have gotten the shots still got covid and and even worse than some people that didn't get the shot so i mean it, it's got to be a horrible thing for everybody to be like oh my gosh not again here we go no way can't do it let's <laughs> call well, it the something. science didn't support it either because right. one of the things that came yeah. out was 
The lockdowns did not do anything to reduce the spread. It did not do anything to reduce the deaths. If anything, it, we've significantly negatively impacted um, society in terms of their ability to deal with each other and care about each other. Uh, one of the things that they're also not talking about is we really did the kids a disservice. We put set oh, a lot of kids yeah. back from an education standpoint, yeah. being in lockdown. They won't. Uh, they don't want to say nothing about that part because no, that, no. And then, no one and wants to take. That they're not that. talking about yeah. is the, the right. little ones. Yeah. Because the little ones who develop speech by looking at your mouth, they couldn't look at our mouths for two years. So there's a lot of them, the little ones who started school during a pandemic. So that's all they know. So what positive image do they have of school? And they've developed speech impediments because they weren't able to see our lips for such a long period it's, of time. It, so a lot of these kids too, with disabilities, with uh, autism and stuff like that as well. well the teachers having to mask up. And, and I felt like horrible. That. And they, they couldn't, they can't, they're, they're like, what's going on? They can't tell, you know what I mean? I know. I, I, I have an autistic uh, stepson that, that we had to deal with all that stuff with. It was rough, you know, trying to, they had yeah. him trying to learn online and stuff like that. And I'm like, you, this is, this is crazy. It's not, he, it's he won't just sit good. down, it's terrible. you know? Well, and I saw the other side of it. Cause not only was I working in the hospitals during the pandemic, but I was also in the schools as a school mm. nurse once the schools open back up. So I was really, mm. I really had a 360 view of right. what was going on. The, and the it was some, outcome. let me tell you, the level of crazy was ridiculous because the little ones, little ones don't generally don't fake their symptoms. Uh, sure. And the kids would get sick. All the schools had protocols. If they have two symptoms or more, they have to go home. And then once the vaccine came out, the school said, okay, well, if the kids have been, completed their vaccinations, they don't have to go home. They don't have to quarantine. So, hey, little Johnny has uh, been exposed or little Johnny's looks like, you know, they need to be tested. Um, if you get them tested and they're negative, you can bring them back if they're vaccinated. Oh, well, they're vaccinated. Okay, great. Can you just send me a copy of their vaccine card? Well, why do you need it? I just need proof that they had it. So the level of anger from the parents at, in the schools because their kids were getting taken out of school. They had to quarantine for two weeks. And then um, in the high school, the kids knew that they would get sent home with two or more. Yeah. Yeah. They were coming yeah. in. Oh, I have a headache and a fever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Right. Would, how, what, like, how would a goal of that have been for the ditchers back in the day? I know, right? So now <laughs> oh, I got the like sniffles. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> like, oh, gosh. I mean, that's it is crazy how much. To me, it induced a lot of fear in the youth. Um, more than, you know, because we grew up with the flu. And so I had 104 temperature as a kid one time. I had chicken pox. I had, you know, I had all that stuff. I mean, they got vaccines and a lot of people don't know what chicken pox are anymore. Um, right. But things of that like. But I mean, we grew up with that stuff as kids. Now, the kids, when they get coughs and stuff or whatever, they're like, COVID. Or, you know, I mean, I even got a six-year-old who he's growing up with all this stuff and, and and he you know he's somewhat things trigger him or he says certain things and i'm like oh my gosh it's because the way he's learned through the COVID, right. you know it's, I know, it's, really it's just, crazy it didn't do anything for us and if like the the, the there's no reason to be locking anybody down just go to work go to school and live your life it's essentially a cold at this point it's not anything that anybody should be if you've got like you know 
like lung cancer, or asthma, if you've got your immune compromise, that's one thing, but it shouldn't just be COVID, it's anything. You should be doing what you need to do to take yourself, make sure you're safe, but to globally say, oh, we're locking everybody down, like it doesn't do anything. I well, mean, see, I'm sorry, I feel like, yeah. you know, the flu, the, the flu went away and we went, we started using the COVID word. And then, you know, the what people were dying from the flu, now it translated to the COVID. So we we went, we pretty much took the flu and now we called it COVID and, and uh, put a whole bunch of fear behind it. And, right. and then it's created, it's created a whole different, I gotta say 2020, it, it's almost like the, like a reset in the world. <laughs> And the way things were, I mean, a lot of like online shopping, I mean, uh, the, the pickups at the Walmarts and stuff like that, you can, you know, all those things in, uh, streaming worlds, all that kind of stuff, watching movies at home. It just like, it's created such a different world. Yeah. I think we've kind of removed humanity from society almost because we're so virtual with so many things. We're getting, out of, we, we're getting out of touch. We're getting out of touch with each other. We're getting out of touch with each other. And right. I mean, I was fighting with people in Walmart because they were wearing gloves everywhere, touching things. I'm like, you're spreading germs. You're not doing anything. And <laughs> yeah. I said, why are you fighting with these people? I'm like, because it's stupid. You can't be online and be like, oh, germs, oh, germs, and then wear gloves and then be touching everything. Like, stop, stop. No, or or wearing mask when you get sit down at the restaurant, but you could take your mask off. And while you're sitting in there eating with everybody else, you right, know, like, I mean, well, just some of the things just, you kind of like, really, really? Like, and then uh, here around here, they're like, Hey, we want you guys to start eating outside. Well, they put a tent. We're eating inside outside. outside. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm like, boom. I, I, I don't know. We're losing all sense of common sense. You yes, know, I, I, sure. <laughs> that's just kind of where we're headed. It's crazy. I know, and I don't. I don't like it. I think we need to. We need to get back to. We have to taking care of each other. And I yes. was just talking to a friend of mine today, who's a nurse, and I, I was saying that you know when is it going to go back to being about the patient in healthcare because it's become such a business. I used to love nursing, even on my worst days. I used to love being a nurse, and the last couple since the pandemic, I'm like, this isn't not. This is not what I came went into healthcare to do. This is not how I wanted to take care of people. This is. I spend so much time in front of the com damn computer doing all my electronic documentation, do this and do that. And, that, and then patients don't think like we're taking care of them or being, you know, giving them attention because we're on the computer so much. I mean, I'm so old. I'm not, I know there's nurses who are older than me, but I remember being in college and being shown how to give a patient a bed bath and make a, like, make like a bath mitt out of the washcloth. And then when we were done bathing them, and taking our time, by the way, then giving them a back massage. I'm like, I, I there's literally no time for even bathing them at this point. It's like, you know, taking care of the personal areas, change the sheets, and then you got to move on to the next thing. Like, give a back massage. So I'm like, yeah, see, well, now it's, now it's taking out the personal side of it, you know, and now right. you guys are losing that relationship with the, with the, uh, the, the patients and the stuff patients. like that, especially to the doctors. They're all so overcrowded and overbooked. You know, and, and they're just like, man, I got to get done because I got like five other uh, appointments in the next 15 minutes. You know, it's like, good Lord, I get it. It's it's so much. And, they turn it from and like I imagine even like the patients themselves are starting to be less 
less friendly and less kind of, you know, and stuff like that because of the lack of patience. Like, I just been sitting in this fucking room for two hours right. waiting, you know. Yeah, the just, healthcare system is overwhelmed and overtaxed and understaffed and um, society is losing their social grace, as I mentioned before. So there's really, I mean, um, like violence in the workplace is significantly on the rise, especially in healthcare. Like the ER gets it the worst because the patients are sitting around for long periods of time. Um, so many people have left healthcare, so the, there's not a lot of primary care offices. So they're using the ER as their primary care. So that creates long wait times. And <clears throat> healthcare has turned into such a business. It's all about patient satisfaction scores. It is just such a business. And it's, it is, but it isn't. It's still people at the end of the day. And if we're not going to make it about the patients and truly taking care of them, then I, I mean, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm a nurse and I had to get an EKG for my son before I started some medication. And it took me three hours of phone calls one day and three hours of phone calls another day just to get him an EKG because my primary couldn't see him for eight weeks because he sold the practice and who bought him is using electronic documentation. So he, he and his staff all have to learn how to use said electronic documentation, A, and B, they had to convert all his paper records into electronic, into the electronic chart. So that's why he couldn't see my son for two months because Gosh. that's all he's like, I can't see him for two months. And I'm like, I'm not, he can't wait two months to start medication. He's like, just take him to urgent care. I'm like, but that's not the answer. <laughs> Waiting in urgent care. They're not gonna do an outpatient procedure or in an urgent care. The other option was to fake symptoms, fake chest pain in the ER to go get an EKG, which literally takes five minutes and actually contributes to that. Like, I don't, I know people abuse the system all the time. I didn't want to be a part of that. So I wound up making a, like phone calls because I know people. And I had a friend who said, send them to my office and I will get that taken care of for you this week. And I was like, thank you. But it took six phone calls, 20 minutes, six hours of work, <laughs> 20 minutes of crying. And I knew somebody to get it done. Like, what about the people who don't have anyone to call, don't have the resources, don't know any better to call, to make the calls to get what you need done? I mean, mental health is still is a mess now, too. Like, we just oh. simply don't have the resources. To yeah. Well, and the other thing is, need. the problem is with mental health, too, is you start getting the people that are abusing it now, too, because they realize, oh, if I say this, I get this, you know what I mean? And then it creates a whole thing and then it clogs up the system with, and that's the part that sucks. Cause there's people out there that legitimately need it. And then there's people out there like, I just don't feel like I want to get up today and, you know, or just, you know, and there's just, I'm not saying that we don't have no problems, but there's right. people out there that cry wolf. Yes. And in that part, it really hurts the system. It hurts the ones out there that genuinely need it, you know, yeah, because they we, get long waits for appointments and it's like, by the time you get seen, so many things can happen between that time. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly kind of my what I, you know, my point that I was saying to other people is what about the people who don't know? Is it oh okay, well, I'll make an appointment in two months. And meanwhile, your family member has a psychotic break and hurts themselves or somebody else because they couldn't they didn't have access to the resources that they need. I just happened like, no, he's not waiting. I'm going to make this happen one way or the other so that he can get the medication that he needs to help him. But that's kind of because I'm kind of, you know, you know, a, a shark. You've, you've, wore, <laughs> well, you've worn a lot of hats. You, you've seen right. it all from different sides. 
you know, you've seen it from, uh, you know, obviously on the, the side of the nurse side, you've seen it on, now you're dealing with it as a mother. I'm sure you've dealt with it as an individual, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I see, I see the big picture and I, you know, it's, but not everybody knows to do that. And right. it's just, and again, even if they do, the resources aren't there. Like, you know, I got the EKG, I scanned it immediately and forwarded it to the uh, site, uh, the nurse, uh, the nurse practitioner. And it still took a month to get an appointment with this particular individual to even get him to start taking the medication. So everything's a process. Um, and I'm sure the mental health community is just as understaffed as, you know, nurses and social workers. And um, so it just, it does, it just kind of creates this, what are we doing to help each other? It's just like, when is it going to be about the patient? Like, as I called my son's neurologist who he had seen, within the last month. And I said, Hey, can you write a script for an EKG? I found a place that does the math patient. He, they just need a script. And he said, no, I can't, I can't write a script for an EKG. Like, You're a neurologist. You can, you just don't want to for whatever reason, but we need everything to go through the primary. Well, I get that, but his primary can't see him for two months and for an EKG before he can even get an appointment for medication. So I'm trying to do the right channels. If you want me to abuse the system, that's fine. I'll go do it. <laughs> I know how to I, do I know things, exactly what right? you tell my yeah. son to say. So he gets yeah. right into the ER and gets an EKG. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, trying to do it the right way. <laughs> Just tell them you have crushing chest pain and you can't breathe. They'll take you right back. <laughs> the, the magic words, huh? <laughs> Need us to be seen? Just use yes, the words. Yes, but we see that in the homeless population in the north in the winter time, they don't want to be, they have no place to stay. So they say they're suicidal uh, and then they get admitted for three days under a suicide watch and an evaluation. So at least for three days, they, they get, get some meals you know, and yeah, three meals and someplace warm to sleep and shower. Yeah. But that's not the, the answer, um, right. of course. But, you know, it's, it's just hard because we're not taking care of each other. Um, and I feel that this, you know, the upper levels of leadership need to kind of recognize that the country, we kind of need to refocus and take care of the country and not look so much outward. Sure. Uh, yeah. Really Be especially with the rise of inflation and cost of living, um, you see the homeless population is outrageous. It's growing at a, a crazy amount of time. I mean, and as every year goes by they keep increasing everything you know the gas prices it are over five you know, i live in california so you know the <laughs> gas prices here are over five dollars a gallon you know our food you you go to the grocery store we went and i think we got like 20 items nothing was like like big time like like meats or anything crazy it was like yeah like things we kind of forgot like 150 something dollars you know and it's like we're looking at our basket we're like how you know what i mean the hell so, I <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> like it's it, it's getting crazy and there's and there's people out there you know that were already struggling that paycheck to paycheck you know and now you keep inflating the prices and inflating everything else no one can keep up anymore you know and then they keep rising uh, they'll try to raise, you know, um, minimum wage. Well, then that all that does is it does a domino effect. Everything else goes up too. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, 
you could keep doing that, but the businesses out there to make money, they're going to find a way and it's going to usually go back to the consumer or whatever. Right. So now everybody's starting to, it's starting to get a little bit panic mode. Our utilities are getting out of, out of control. Yeah. Um, so it's just creating more homelessness and, and, and yeah, we're at, starting to get to a level that we got to the, the, unfortunately so many people have grown to be selfish and we got to learn to like let loose of that part. And some people are out there that could be helping or have the resources to help, but don't want to, you know what I mean? Cause they right. just like, I need more actually, this isn't enough for me, you know? Yeah, and it's by it all comes back to the whole social media thing. Like everybody want nobody wants to go to work anymore. Everybody just wants to be famous just by being yeah. on YouTube and TikTok and Correct. it's just I don't even have Streamers. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I got kids, you know, and, and it like uh one of them's wanted to be like a gamer, you know, I'm like gamer man, you know, he's twelve years old. It's like, you know, they're seeing these kids. There's like a handful out there that are making it and yeah, they're killing it. I get it. But even, even that kind of thing has, it has a expiration date on it, you know, and it gets old and then the next thing comes up and then you're a has been, and then you're like, Oh my gosh, I've been spending so much time on this right here. And now it's not here for me anymore. You know, because everybody likes to put their eggs all in one basket and they just think, Oh yeah. This is it. And then when everything goes to hell, they're, you know, fish out of water. What do I do next? Right. What's your backup plan? What are you going to be a gamer at 50 years old? That's going to be <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's how a lot of people, I think, look at it. I, you know, and I've myself, I've seen people who, who are super successful. It takes one sentence that they say wrong or or someone they did some video a long time ago and someone got a hold of it and throws it out there and then they're canceled and then they lost everything you know what i mean so i mean for people to sit there and try to go make their life off of the the glim and glamour there's a lot that comes with that you know well look at hollywood right now like there's a strike and none of them are working right now (laughs) yeah all the writers yeah i mean there's the they're they're in a lot of hurt out there and then they've been doing that for a while <laughs> so yeah and those guys all have their eggs all in one basket and they're you know at some point in time they're gonna be like oh no i gotta go to home depot and get a job or something you know what i mean like legit i know well my ex-husband is going through a, a divorce there he's separated and he retired as a teacher at the age of 52 and he needed money. So he emptied my son's college account because he needed money. It's like, go to work. <laughs> like, you can get a job. <laughs> You're perfectly capable. There's nothing wrong with you. Just go work. <laughs> I've had enough. You've had enough. <laughs> I'll give you enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smack the shit out of you. You've had enough. Get out of here. <laughs> There's that Jersey girl coming out. <laughs> Shoot, she's like, oh, smack him right upside that head. Oh, smack the shit out of you. Yeah, I've had to. Florida's interesting. You know, I'm like, I come from the north. Like, I come from the Philadelphia area, and I'm used to just kind of everybody's just kind of aggressive. And yeah, that's not right. the case down here. And everybody's kind of a little more chill and okay. And um, so it's just, uh, I've They're always like, there's that Jersey girl. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll be a, like, in public, and people are like talking to me, like in the parking lots. 
hi, how are you? I'm like, why are you talking to me? This is weird. Like, people are too nice. Be a little more mean to me. Yeah, you used to that Jersey shit. Like, hey, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, <laughs> like, I ain't got time for your shit. too get slow. <laughs> I will That's say, though, people down here are the same as up there. Like, the left lane is not for slow driving. Move over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People in uh, California would drive people absolutely crazy with that because I've definitely been to other states like in Texas. You better not drive slow in that fast lane or you will have someone honking their horn, flashing their lights until you move out their way. You know what I mean? (laughs) I learned that in Texas. They're like, get the (laughs) out of the way, you know, like. Move, bitch. Move, bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the song I think of whenever I think of driving down the highway, like, boom, you know, like, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing I don't have like a loudspeaker on my truck because I would probably be like pl- blasting that song, like, when I'm behind somebody's <laughs> yeah, right. like, yeah, it is, a, it yeah. is a little annoying. No shit. Like, when you're saying, like, man, come on, bro. You're just really doing this to annoy you. There's no one in the, the slow lane either. <laughs> Uh, you no, have a nice little, always... you have a nice little, you know, you're on autopilot. You're just like, oh no, this <laughs> is going to make me have to push the brake. I, <laughs> uh, I know. That's why I don't use cruise control a lot. Cause it just, I get too angry and frustrated with people and I'm like, I can't. So it's just like <sighs> honking the horn, even at a red light, you have three seconds to move and the light turns green or I'm on the horn. Like get, move. <laughs> I felt like in Florida, they drove pretty crazy. Uh, cause we took a drive from California all the way to Florida. And if I remember correctly, Florida was pretty crazy. There was a lot of dudes over there, pretty crazy drivers. And, uh, yeah. well, like a, L, too. I think it's like a cultural melting pot because there's so many people here. We have people here from Canada. We have people here from like Michigan and Minnesota and New York. And I guess it all depends on part of the year too. Right. Cause I heard a lot of yeah. the people come down when it gets really cold. Up yes. north, a lot of them come down and snowbirds. Yeah, yes. that's yeah, right. They got yes, they, ir- they irritate us locals. <laughs> <laughs> Shitting all over our stuff. Get <laughs> out, go away. Uh, a lot of Canadians uh, come down uh, during the uh, Canadian winter. They'll be down here. Um, so yeah, usually right about like November uh, when they all the snowboard snowbirds start coming down, and then like. End of February, early March, they start going back uh, up north. So you definitely notice a difference in the traffic um, as well because they're they're gone. Um, it's just interesting down here. It's like a, it's a cultural melting pot because there's so many people down here, which I don't mind one bit. Um, you know, I'm learning a lot, and uh, I love living down here in Florida. I mean, it's just like I won't go back. To, like I'll visit New Jersey, but I have zero desire to move back there. Like I just. I was over the snow and the raking of the leaves and the cold and the joints aching. I'm like, no, I just need to be warm and I need to be at the beach as much as possible. So. Yeah. In Jersey, you had more like the seasons and stuff. Yeah. Florida, yeah. there's only, yeah, not as many. <laughs> it's hot and hotter. It's <laughs> <laughs> and humid, right? Yes. And it's funny because there's so many people, oh, I miss the seasons. I just love the seasons. I'm like, then you are a fool because I am not shoveling snow ever again. <laughs> yeah. The, and, and like leaves for days, right? No. Oh, and we, we'll see like snow on TV and we're like, ugh, ugh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you guys, uh, it is it is greener on that side, huh? 
Yeah, and I'm like 15 minutes from the beach because I'm in Clearwater. So I can throw my shit in the car, go to the beach for like four hours, still come home, do my food shopping, and I'm still good. You do sound like a spoiled little beach brat now. Look at that. (laughs) I know. I I enjoy my – I actually just went kayaking this morning with my friend. Oh, look at that shit, man. Saw some dolphins swimming by us. Uh, (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. Let's yeah, uh, you know, I, I pulled went... off some uh, pictures from your Facebook yes, since I uh, stalked you. Let's go through some. <laughs> you want to uh, talk it? You know, go ahead and talk about. It. All right, here we go. Let's talk some. Oh, uh, so that's Ooh, that looks like that could get someone in trouble. Uh, so that was in Kandahar, and we were um looking for something to do. So the army invited us over to their side of the base to the hangars where they stored all their helicopters and gave us a tour of all the helicopters, including the Apache, uh, which they turned on, which was awesome. Uh, and I was like, are we going for a ride? And that thing, they're like, uh, no, ma'am, this is a $30 million <laughs> piece of equipment, and we are saving the gas, but nice try. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, yeah, this is from the tower um, in Kandahar uh, at the airfield. Nice. And that's actually the hospital right behind me in the background, like the dark brick building. That was okay. the hospital. That was the Roll Three Hospital. Wow. And uh, so halfway through the deployment, we did a group photo, uh, and they brought the up armored MRAPs from the SF guys, uh, and we took our picture, and then they left them there for a little while so that we could take individual pictures uh, as well. So. That's kind of my thing. I find big equipment when I'm on a, an exercise and I take a picture in front of it with, you know, thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was just a random picture I had just put on Lieutenant Commander and uh, we had a uni- we had a service white inspection and uh, somebody took my picture. I hate that uniform. Uh, <laughs> oh, this was my graduation from Drexel University with my master's degree. That was a good day. That was a good day. I was, that was a hard, um, and a bachelor's in nursing is not a joke. A master's in nursing is not, is, you know, the terminologies and stuff like that, that you guys got to learn is crazy. Cause I, I believe my sister was trying to be like a a decoder or something like that. And she had to learn like medical terms and the stuff she was saying, I was like, what the hell is that? Terminology. Coding is difficult. Um, but yeah, the, three years part-time it was a long long arduous process um this was uh in kandahar as well i think that might have been nurses week actually um they had a little celebration nice uh this was so this was on the battleship new jersey just um april of 22 right before i moved down here and the reason why that's significant for me is because i was commissioned into the Navy in 2010 on the battleship, New Jersey. Uh, And we had uh, a tour um, April 22 of the battleship. And so it was kind of like my last little, hey, thanks for these years, uh, because I was getting ready to move down here. So uh, my friend took my picture. This was in the wardroom, the officer's quarters um, on the battleship. This was just a few months ago in May. Um, so that is the USS Lena Sutcliffe Hig- Higby. She is the newest destroyer to be mm-hmm. commissioned into the Navy. Um, she is an Arleigh Burke class destroyer. And Lena Sutcliffe Higby was the second superintendent of the Navy Nurse Corps. 
uh, and she was one of the original, uh, what they call the sacred 20. So in 1908, I believe it was, when they actually um, had nurses come into the Navy, she was one of the first 20 to join the Navy uh, as a nurse. So that's why they called them the sacred 20. And she really did a lot for Navy nursing. And so that's why they named that ship after her. And it was really kind of a, a poignant moment because it was actually the end of nurses week that week when they commissioned that ship into the Navy. And they had a lot of old um, retired and current nurse corps officers there. Um, they had two nurses who were served in the Navy during Vietnam there. Um, so it was a really great experience um, just getting to be observed the ceremony. I mean, I've been in the Navy for 12 years. I've never been on a ship, never attended um, a commissioning. So it was really a great experience for on multiple levels. I actually got to meet the Secretary of the Navy, Carlos Del Toro, and the Chief of Naval Operations, um, Admiral Gilday, who is now retired. Uh, I actually have a coin from him. I have a four-star Admiral coin. Ooh, uh, all my friends are jealous. Hell yeah, dude, that's cool. <laughs> now, that's crazy. You know, something about Navy ships are they are literally a city in there. I mean, I've been on uh, the Pearl Harbor which I did an exercise on that was huge. And then I did, I got to go on a little, um, uh, you know, like a little tour on a uh, battle of Midway and oh my nice. gosh, how awesome was that? I loved it. I don't even think that we got to see the entire ship because yeah, the Midway's a carrier. there's I just so much. Ship, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to it. I think we were only able to kind of see like one side, like the starboard side or something of the ship. Cause it, it took us that long to go through with the entire, sh like that side and some of the other areas. I was like, my gosh, these places are huge. Yeah. And there's a lot of history and tradition behind, behind them all. And uh, I think that's the one advantage that the military has over um, civilian nursing and that the Navy holds tight to their history and their tradition. And they talk about it a lot. So I think for myself, going to that commissioning really kind of helped a part of me heal a little bit because I was got in touch with, you know, meeting the nurses who served in Vietnam was uh, phenomenal. And we're, you know, oh, we're imagine. losing their stories because they're getting older. Sure. It's really important to tell that story because I did not know that, um, yes, during Vietnam, most people know the men were treated horribly when they came home, but a lot of people don't know that the women were treated equally as horribly. And most of the women that served during Vietnam were nurses. So that to me kind of broke my heart when I found out, like, that's why we don't hear a lot of stories from nurses who served during Vietnam is because they weren't allowed to tell their story. So for me, being able to speak to these two was really kind of just a piece of history and a reminder that we need to be encouraging them to tell their story. I mean, the one woman, bless her heart, was 90 years old and travels from, I think, Kansas to Key West, Florida, just to see the commissioning of the ship because they were naming it after a nurse. And to this day, how many years after Vietnam, she still has a hard time talking about it because it was so ingrained in her. You're not allowed to talk about it because nobody wants to hear it because you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. And it just, it's just an, it's just eye opening. And I think more people need to know hey, this shit went on and we need to talk about it because we're losing that piece of history. Like taking down the statues of things because we don't like, like that's not okay. Then we're doomed to repeat it if we don't talk about it. And that's something I appreciate. I think about the podcast world now, especially with the veterans. 
is we're able to go get some of these stories out there that that are never told you know what i mean that you know there's so many stories out there there's and, so many and, and things imagine that we don't how, know. How, you know how i wish we would have had podcasts and stories for all these folks that back in the day so we could heard some of their stories because yeah as you're saying like we're starting to lose them because they're they're they're, they're aging out on us and they're they've right. gotten ailments from vietnam as well um, right and but you know that's the beauty of some of these podcasts is trying to reach out and and get in touch with as many veterans and have them come out here tell their stories you know so that way later on down the road someone 20 30 years 40 50 years maybe watching these and like seeing us talking about things that they're like wow you know well and it's i think it teaches a level of respect in terms of we it's okay to talk about history if it makes you uncomfortable that's okay that's actually a good thing it means you won't repeat it because it made you sure. uncomfortable but if we're hiding things then we're doomed to repeat it because we're not learning from the lesson that this event or this thing or this person taught us like it's and not what a foolish thing you know i mean i yeah. feel like each each generation owes it to the next generation to do better and to learn exactly. from and learn and not carry on with the same mistakes and keep doing the same foolish things let's cut that shit out remove the foolish stuff and but let's carry on with the the things that matter and the right things and then you know let's not eliminate <clears throat> and for good about stuff that has happened let's not just tear it down because we didn't like that it happened it happened but let's learn from that so that way our youth can say that was a bad time let's never right. go back there let's never do that again you know because we're doomed to repeat our, our you know we we're doomed to repeat history if we don't learn from it exactly we just have to keep i don't know so uh admiral keener who cynthia keener who just retired was the um she was in charge of the active duty side of the nurse corps and she gave a town hall a few months ago. And one of the things that she said at the end of her, the meeting was that we need to lead with love and hope. And I said, huh, she's right. Like we need to carry more love in our heart for ourselves and for each other. Cause that's the only way we're like to rebuild and restart and reconnect. If we're all like, I don't like what you have to say. So I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to argue over you and I'm going to yell over you. Like we're not learning anything. It's not and about then I'm blocking you. I'm not friends with you right. no more. You know? Yeah. Right. We've definitely gotten to that level in life. Yeah. We need to learn to listen, to understand. Like, I don't, I don't need to be right. I just need right. you to understand what I'm saying. I may, we may not agree, but let's find the common ground and move forward. Otherwise we're going to, we're going to stay stuck in the shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. It, it's crazy mankind is we're not new to this you know we've had a lot of time and we and and um you know i hope people aren't just getting the level like oh it's it is what it is no you got to stop saying that right <laughs> because as we say that then we're just okaying it and then the people behind us are just going to fall along with it and they're not going to know better because they're just going to be like thinking that's the normal and that's the norm that's the way that their culture is teaching them and and saying this is how it is i feel like we should be further ahead than we are <laughs> no kidding like <laughs> no I, I, no kidding when it comes to race when it comes to politics when it comes to certain things we all fall victim and, and get into it it actually the, you know what's crazy it's getting worse instead of like things getting better 
we can't even debate with each other anymore without like it getting so ugly the debates and stuff and and if your side doesn't agree with this side then they're just evil people and then we're just going to pin them as evil people and they just go off on the other side you go off to your side here we are going back to division segregation all those things that we got away from and 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 worked so hard to move away from it's like we're almost putting ourselves back into it we're almost pinning ourselves in a different manner right when it came to vaccinations versus not vaccinations people were getting upset and losing friendships yeah oh they're non-vaxxers no and there's like there's a there's a vaccine only you know uh concert going on there's you know and right you can only come to the concert if you're vaccinated (laughs) right i mean we got to the level of where it got to that level of being segregated or you can't do this because of this right you know we 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 essentially went backwards and with all that kind of stuff i don't know just a mess my husband is very proud that he's not vaccinated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure yeah I like mean, i made I, it through didn't get vaccinated yeah i mean i myself didn't either you know what i mean although it's like i got anthrax and all those other crazy stuff in me you know oh my god um, that's freaking anthrax i hate that ant- <laughs> no and you know what honestly it's crazy because i'm i'm starting to find out that there's stuff that's created from the anthrax that i'm starting to experience in my older life <laughs> and I'm, and it's coming to find out it was due to anthrax and that because i'm correlating with other people and it's like oh you got that same issue oh my gosh wow all right well then i go and i read about anthrax and man there's i didn't realize that there was a lot of stuff that comes bad from it you know what i mean i was like oh okay but uh it's like the you know the PACTAC stuff now. It's like oh yeah, we know we sent you to Iraq and Afghanistan. If you have A B C D E F G H I J K thing, we're just going to assume <laughs> it's from that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They just went through the whole thing. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I know. Actually, probably I probably need to make uh, make an appointment because I have I've, since I've been back, I've just had a very strange cough and like we call. They the just extended our- it out to September or something. So you you better yeah because it was supposed to end uh yeah, here august they, we called it kandahar crud when we were there but just like runny nose coughing congestion just kind of but no other symptoms and that's kind of what i feel like now my friend came home and like a few years ago got diagnosed with asthma and like oh it's probably from being in the desert and it's like oh great <laughs> now in afghanistan was there sandstorms like because yeah we had like when we were in the middle east the um, sands but i mean when i was over in iraq and kuwait holy shit, the sandstorms there were <laughs> unbelievable yeah now you'd be like picking it out of your teeth and like oh. out of your eyebrows it was like terrible i was like this had to take a couple of years off my life breathing Absolutely. this shit There's no doubt <laughs> i mean most of the time we couldn't even see the mountains in the background right. because that's how thick the air was yeah and i was saying then there's no way you can't tell me some of us aren't coming back or at some point in our lives are going to develop some kind of shit. Like right now, the annoying thing is like, did you drink the water at Camp Lejeune? Like in a few years more, we're going to have like, were you exposed to the sand and the dust in Iraq and Afghanistan? <laughs> yeah, because you know what's funny is uh, like, especially the the ones that went later, like in 2003, we're, we're, we're breathing in all the stuff that happened from Desert Storm and stuff like that that's still stuck right. in the sand and all that i mean who knows i mean right. all this shit we, burning we, and yeah <laughs> yeah geez 
the burn pits, the poop on, like all the sh- literally the shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and now they're, yeah, it's as we get older, I imagine that in the next 10, 10, 20 years, and even now they're starting to see a lot of stuff come out, but you're going to see even more stuff in the next 10, 10, 20 years when everybody starts hitting more like, uh, you know, late 50s and six early 60s and 70s and all of a sudden there's going to be you know oh shit (laughs) well this was because of this we just found out 50 years later (laughs) you were exposed to this well it's interesting because i have a friend he's a vietnam veteran and um he has his own radio show uh, in new jersey and he does a lot of advocating for veterans and he knows a lot of politicians and he came at one of them. I forget who it was um, from about the January 6th riots. And she was like, oh, well, you know, somehow it came up that they had gas masks. And he's like, wait a minute, you had a gas mask. You are a congresswoman and you have a gas mask and you were helping somebody else put theirs on first because they're 80 years old. First of all, why do we have people who are 80 years old in Congress in the first place. Second of all, you probably should have put your mask on first before you helped anybody else. And see, I'm mad as hell because you sent me into Vietnam without a gas mask, but you work in Congress and you have a gas mask. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit about what you're complaining about right now. I don't want to hear about your PTSD from the January 6th riot because you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, Vietnam veterans don't want to hear none of that shit. They don't want to hear I mean, any of that shit. And the, I don't the blame stuff them they were exposed to, yeah, the stuff they were exposed to, and ignored on yep you, you can't blame them honestly uh, not at all it, it is one group of uh folks that i have the utmost admiration and respect for is the vietnam veterans anytime i see a vietnam veteran somewhere i try to buy their meal go at least say thank you you know for their service whatever it may be but i definitely make sure i go out of my way and let them know hey i appreciate you yeah you know and in you know I, when you, when you get in and stuff like that, especially, you know, I don't know how all the branches are. I know Marine Corps and Navy are very similar in, in a lot of things when it comes to boot camp and, and the way that they like to teach history. We pride ourselves in history and mm-hmm. that alone makes you have a utmost admiration and respect for the generations before you, the ones mm-hmm. that fought before you, who led the ground, who made the service as where it is for us for today you know what i mean Uh um but it it, that's one thing is my appreciation grew so much more after actually going through boot camp hearing history and then enduring stuff on my own and i'm like my gosh we couldn't even fathom the things that these guys had to go into a jungle they lived in swamps their feet were never dry yeah. You know, they, they're living with rot in their legs and feet. I mean, my gosh. Yeah, we're never going to be that badass. Like, never. No, no. <laughs> uh, even like, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I, I think that we're always badass. But that when you talk to about, like, the, the, the generations before us that, that fought in some of these crazy, out, crazy wars, like world wars and the vietnams and the yeah i mean all those major conflicts back then just hearing how they were like they didn't have the the technical stuff that we got 
You know, a lot of them, some of them didn't even have uh, weapons while they're running because there wasn't enough for them in their platoon. You know right. what I mean? It just how crazy times have changed, but and how much more like we are always complaining. It's never good enough when back then what they had to make, they had to make it be the best. They had to make it be, you know, they, they had to be glad with what they had. Right. You know. they, and they had this, they had to adapt and overcome and do what they exactly. needed to do to survive. Yep. And now all these kids needed safe space and can't pick a gender. Like I'm so confused. <laughs> no, I know. And that's, that's where it's like, it's, it's, we're, that's where we're going super crazy. You know what I mean? Where if we're going to raise a generation of people that are going to be always in fear, always scared or always use something to be an excuse, how are we going to, how, what are we going to do with our future? And when it comes to the military, how are you going to be able to put people in the military when they all been given all these little drugs and shit that these docs try to give these kids, you know, ADHD pills and everything else that automatically dis disqualifies a lot of these people. I don't know what's going to happen to the sake of our military, or they're going to have to lower the standards and say, Hey, mental health. It is what it is. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm a little. I'm a little worried about <laughs> what what's what's to come, um, given what's you know going on in society today. But you know, I I try to remind myself, you know, like Admiral Keener said, to lead with you know love and hope and hope for the best. <laughs> and that's all we could do, you know, in this world. All we can do is try to be leaders and try to lead people. Try to be positive. Um, you know, we live in a world of negativity where everybody wants to piss on someone who's doing good. As soon as they yeah. see they're doing good, they really want to go out of their way to tell them how bad of a job they're doing at doing good. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy to me <clears throat> that we have gotten to a level that we just want to shit on each other when we're doing good. I can't wrap my head around it because anymore I'm, I've gotten to a level where I'm, I feel like I want to cheerlead people on, you know, and I think in, in the, in the, in the guy's world, in the man's world, it's always like a pride thing, I guess, for a guy to be like, Hey bro, you're doing a great job. But I mean, I don't think it's, you know, it, it it's, I think it's needed. It's necessary for us to say, Hey, when you see your neighbor or you see your friend, you see someone doing a great job, tell them, tell even them. if Cheer it's the on. local person that you're, that you're doing a drive through with, you know, cause I tell you what, I go through a lot of crappy ones, but the good ones that are smiling, I tell them like, Hey, you keep smiling. Cause right. honestly that made my day coming through this line, seeing that smile. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, And that's how we have to have to be. If we're truly leaders in the community, whether yes, I run a unit out of, you know, out of Orlando, like I'm officially in charge of 65 people, but I'm still a leader in my community. And we have to model that behavior. If we want to, we, you know, we have to be the change we want to see in the world. It's not just going, we can't just sit around and complain about it and then not do anything. We have to be, you know, we have to walk, the, now we have to walk the walk. And if we're going to say, this is what we want to see, then we have to model the behavior and cheer people on and give people positive reinforcement, or we're just going to be breeding this anger and resentment uh, everywhere we go. Yeah, and people are losing the the customs and courtesies that we uh -huh. all grew up with. The yes or no, ma'ams. The thank you, uh, please. Um, you know, hello, hi, hey, how you doing? Hey, I right. hope you have a great day. Those kind of things are going away. You know, I, I've opened the door for people, and they just like 
the rudest people. And it's I like, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, oh, have a good, and I'm just that, have a great day, you know, You're like, kinda, yeah, like, God bless, have a great day, you know, <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it's just crazy to me how, how we've gotten so departmentalized in our own worlds where we just like don't even say hello to people anymore. We don't greet them. We don't like, Hey, I hope you have another great day. Hey, you too. All right. Yeah. You know, we, a lot of people don't do that. Like, Hey, what the fuck you want? You know, like, just, <laughs> why are you talking to me? Go away. Yeah. Like, you know, it's well, crazy. I think a lot of it is we, a lot of people just don't trust other people either because you Not can't right. so many scammers and con artists yeah. out there. It's just, it is sad. I, my girlfriend is single now and bless her little heart. Like I just, I could not be single in this day and age. Like I don't trust anybody. No. <laughs> I need I mean, a uh, sample, a pay stub, <laughs> background check. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a world of lack of trust. I don't go to Walmart often, but I went yesterday and I ain't going there again. Everything is locked up, you know, and then you got to go ask. Really? You, you need some deodorant in one aisle, it's locked up. You need toothpaste in another aisle, it's locked up. Shampoo locked up. I mean, any type of hygiene item is locked up, and you got to go ask for help. Wow. And, and it's just cause, because over here, people are taking off with cart full of goodies, and no, no one does nothing. There's The cops are... Like, uh, you know, because they did the whole defund the police here in the Los Angeles County and stuff like that. Wow. And so they're like, well, some things are going to lack, you know, and that's one of the things that like the, 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 they've allowed a lot of these people to go petty crime. I don't know if you see these bust and goes, a lot of are happening here where they're going through these malls, busting, all these kids are going through busting, taking all this stuff and running is hey, no one's going to go sit there and look for them. If wow. they get caught in the act is the only way they'll get caught. But when there's hundreds of them and they're all just smashing and going. Right. It, it, we're getting to a world of chaos. I mean, here in California, you're seeing it more because the cost of living here is getting crazy. So you're either at a level of going to be rich or you're going to be poor. And then the theft rate and all that stuff is just going out the roof. And I mean, wow, that's terrible. And it's like awful. I said, we, we get sit there and you want to get something and you got to wait forever for someone to come get it and then they're all starting to you know they're all cut short on and like every, everybody's uh wants to do more with less you know that's been the whole thing that they've always been saying <laughs> and it's just it's really starting to take a toll on that's the communities sad. yeah on everybody it's 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 rough it's it's hard to see this and i'm hoping that we hit a point and everybody's like, and, and everybody just kind of wakes up and says, holy crap, we have allowed this to go on way too long. This is ridiculous. Yeah, they've <laughs> done so much stuff that now it's a, it's so blatant. Hello. Like, I mean, yeah, back in the day, they can do so many things, but now it's like blatant. We'll just start throwing it right in front of their face. Like, and we just sit there and like, oh, well, it is what it is. Go vote. Go vote. Yeah, well. My gosh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but if you don't pick the right candidate, it doesn't do any good for you. Right. Yeah. And and who knows how that whole system is. You know, I mean, so speaking of distrust. <laughs> yeah, right. Boy, we could go on to a whole show about that life, but, but yeah, that alone. <laughs> uh but you know, um, 
is there anything else more that you would like to talk about? I, I you know, what you got going on and. No, I think, you know, I just, um, I would love for us to really, you know, start moving in a direction where we're at least talking and understanding and we're, so that we're a little more patient with each other because none of us are getting out of here alive. We need to start realizing, like you said, we need to wake up and there's a set side of the population that we need to wake up so that we can all kind of come together. Cause at the end of the day, it shouldn't be about black and white or Republican and Democrats. What are we doing for each other? And I try hard to model that behavior and put good energy out there. Uh, you know, which is why my podcast is all about, you know, um, people doing good things in the community or people who have overcome obstacles or, you know, um, people in the community who are doing things to help veterans. And because um, I want it to be positive. There's too much negative shit going around. And, you know, I'm been, it's, I've spent the last few years kind of reconnecting with my faith. Um, and, you know, I heard something yesterday about, you know, like he who refreshes others refreshes themselves. And I think, you need to find whatever it is that refreshes you. Whatever, you need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of, you know, your family and then have the energy to, you know, reach out in the community and do the things that you that you think, oh, I can do this to help, you know, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, saving strain animals or volunteering at the nursing homes. Like everybody has something that they believe in. Like I can do this and I can help. And, you know, <clears throat> I think once we start taking care of ourselves and then seeing, oh, yes, I need to model the behavior and do the good things and keep the positive energy out there, slowly we'll start to see things change. But until we really kind of start getting like this starts growing, those of us who are trying to make the change kind of have to hang on and support each other and cheer each other on. Uh, you know, it's I have a group of girlfriends that we just we are constantly cheering each other on like you look great today hey great job congratulations on this that or the other whatever's going on because at the end of the day we have to cheer each other on you need a support system where things just kind of crumble and collapse and i think we're kind of seeing that in society right now with all the gamers and the youtubers and the tiktokers and all that social media nonsense and we're so far removed from human contact like no take your glove off and hold someone's hand and make a connection and then let it grow from there. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, they got the reels now and everybody, the, the best reels are the shortest ones, you know? So that <laughs> just goes to show that our, like, you know, our attention span's going away, right? you know? And, and I, I saw the, one of the saddest things I think I seen one day, I was driving and, and I drive into my car and I look over and I see two little girls sitting on a curb with their bikes laying down. <clears throat> they're on their cell phones not even talking to each other it's like their parents said go ride their bikes they're like okay we'll go ride our bikes and they went down the, to the block parked their bikes and got right back on their cell phones you know what i mean that's not how me and my friends used to play you know we, uh -huh. when we were out on our bikes we were out there riding our bikes we were building jumps you yeah. know we were ghost riding our bikes we were out there you know just having a great time you know but now breaking out of the house and we survived just fine <laughs> yeah absolutely now you you know every it's crazy that these kids i got my little six-year-old thinking he needs a cell phone no dude hell no 
Hell no, you don't need no. No, 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 no. We ain't going there, man. Who are you calling? <laughs> yeah, like, what are you gonna do? Like, you know, and same with the twelve-year-old. It's like, bro. And then, you know, his he got one at his dad's house, and and we're like, nah, he, he's not old enough. We don't really want it to here to come out of our house. He can keep it there. He just talks about how much he's on it and how much they're texting him. I'm just like, see, dude, that's not exactly what I want. Like, right these kids are losing their imaginations and stuff like that. My yeah. six year old, he can play with toys and he can go do stuff because I'm not giving them just complete like, Hey, this is what you, this is your toy, a Kindle or a switch or something. Right. Go learn that. No, bro. Go outside, go play a little bit, go do this, go, you know, you'll be fine. You yeah. I'll rub some dirt on it. You'll yeah. Be <laughs> yeah. I think we've all getting, we're all getting so dependent on, Technology. technology to the point where we're expecting for it to be our entertainment we're expecting it to be pay our bills we're expecting for it to turn off our tvs and our lights control our air you know be watch people at our doors you know it's yeah. everything i mean literally now it's becoming such a thing that you lose it and you just about have a fucking heart attack yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, everybody's just like, oh, my gosh, shut out the FBI, shut out the search team, I lost my phone. You know, like, I find the iPhone, iPhone's, you know. Like, <laughs> I know my uh, husband's got, like, walkie-talkies, like, ham radios, antennas. Like, he's like, if the apocalypse happens, my husband is prepared. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he knows the old school day. They'd be like, what's that? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. But, uh. All right. Well, uh, you have anything else? Like any last thoughts? Uh, so I usually end my show with telling everyone to greet each day with purpose, passion, and tenacity and be kind to each other. Absolutely. Love it. I love it. I thank you so much for coming on, taking the time, talking to us, telling us, you know, the whole, your experience as a nurse and, uh, man, I mean, I appreciate everything you do for us today, you know, and serving our country being a nurse and taking care of everybody. I really do appreciate you. Thanks for having me on today, Brian. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you once again and uh, hold tight and I'll be right back there. You got it. Thank you, Kristen. All right, friends and fam. Well, that wraps up another great day, another great episode. And uh, you know, if you guys ever get a chance, go check out our podcast show. They are over at military broadcast radio. Um, you guys can check her out. And uh, I really appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in each and every day, taking the time to watch, like, share. Hope you guys are having an amazing day out there. And then until next time, err.